We're Missio Phoenix, a community of God's people learning to live in God's ways for the sake of our city. All right, it's good to be here. Good to see all of you. It's weird because it feels like I've been gone for a long time, but a lot of you are probably like, no, you were just here last Sunday. Like we just saw you. Um, But because we're not a church that just has the rhythm of like, I'll see you next Sunday. I was gone uh, this past week in Austin, Texas, and I didn't get to see my missional community. And so that just felt weird. So it feels like I haven't seen you guys in so long, even though it's just been a week. Uh, But I got to go to Austin with our Missio Tempe leadership team and Missio Mesa team and go to our annual SOMA retreat. And so SOMA is a community of churches spread throughout the nation and even now in uh, South America and in Japan and Australia and Croatia and all over. And we get together about once a year and just pray, worship, and a little bit of training and a lot of rest. So I got some good barbecue in Austin uh, and I got some good coffee too. Austin is a weird place. It's the first time I've ever been there. And just to kind of give you an idea of like what Austin is like, I got a little video from a coffee shop we were at. So we're going to play that real quick so you get a feel of what Austin is. So he was like tapping on the window there too, and he was waiting for someone to open up and let him in. That's, uh, we're, that's Austin. Like you're at this kind of modern hipster coffee shop with really good coffee, and then there's chickens and goats running around and jumping up on your table. It's a pretty good picture of what Austin's like. It's like, it's weird. It's like the Portland of Texas, but it's still Texas, you know? So it's got the hipster coffee and then it's still, it's still Texas. So, uh, but lots of good coffee places. And I was just thinking about our coffee shop while we were there. Like anytime I go check out a new coffee place, I think about that. And I think about what God has done through Cultivate Coffee that Bethany and I have started a couple years ago, and many of you have been so instrumental in supporting and seeing it thrive. Uh, and we, this is a vision we had since before we got married. We're going to be married uh, coming up on 18 years in May, this May. So our marriage will be an adult at that point. But since before we got married, we had this vision and a dream and a passion for creating this space for community to gather in and for the church to be very present, but it's a space open to the whole community and a, a job that, or a business that is providing jobs to vulnerable youth. And so now we have that with Cultivate. But we sat on that for like 15 years. 15 years of our marriage, we didn't do a thing toward that except for talk about it, pray about it, dream about it. But you would think, like, I would love to say I spent that 15 years, Bethany and I spent that 15 years doing our research, doing our homework, learning about business, learning about what it would take, you know, like putting the work in, but we didn't. We just didn't do that. Nothing changed from when we first had that vision to when we actually started it as far as our ability to run a business. My favorite saying is that we have no business running a business. Nothing changed with that. We didn't become like these amazing entrepreneurs all of a sudden. Like we, di- we didn't go to school for it. We didn't plan and prepare for it. The only thing that changed is God's timing. That there was a sense of like, okay, that's a great dream. It's a great vision. It's a great, but wait, 
Not now. Not right now. Wait. And then suddenly, like, I, no joke, I was driving through Sunny Slope and I saw this building and it was just like, it's time, like, we're gonna do this here. And we still had no capital, you know, we had no money, we had no business plan. We sat down in June of 20, was it 2017, Bethany? June of 2017, and we, we came up with a name, right, after 15 years of sitting on this dream. We came up with a name, and then we came up with a business plan, and I created a logo, and we built a website, and from June of 2017 to August of 2017, two months later, we had a business going. We were selling our first roasted coffee with online sales. We didn't know what we were doing, but God's timing was ready. We're looking at the book of Acts now, and we're going to be going through it kind of intermittently throughout the year. We're going to spend 28 weeks looking at the 28 chapters of Acts. We'll look at one specific text in each chapter each time. That'll be broken up during the season of Lent and Advent and going through the Psalms in July, but the book we'll keep coming back to is the book of Acts. We're going to send you study guides on the parts of the chapter that we don't read on Sunday morning so that you can get the full picture of Acts throughout the year. Uh, but each week we'll zoom in on a piece. And in that book of Acts, which is actually a, a second part of a one work, this guy named Luke wrote the book of Luke, the gospel according to Luke, and he wrote Acts. And it's a two-parter, right? It's a two-part book. They actually go hand in hand together. And what happens in between that, where Luke left off and where Acts is picking up, is these people who have been following Jesus for three years, they've been doing what he does day in and day out. They've been learning from him. They've been seeing people healed and fed and cared for and taught. They had this idea that Jesus was going to come to overthrow the Roman Empire and restore Israel back to a powerful, mighty nation that God would bless. And yet Jesus told them time and time again, that's not exactly how this is gonna play out. So they witnessed Jesus get arrested and willingly give his life over to death on a cross. The guy who was supposed to come and save them from the Roman Empire was just crushed by the Roman Empire. He was put into the grave. And then on the third day, something miraculous happens and he rises again. The spirit of God, Luke constantly, throughout the book of Luke, he keeps saying everything Jesus does, he says, in the power of the spirit. So Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the spirit. Jesus fed these people in the power of the spirit. Jesus went off and prayed in the power of the spirit. It was like, you could say, Jesus ate his breakfast in the power of the spirit. It was always in the power of the spirit. And then the climax is Jesus rises from the grave in the power of the spirit. And he returns back to his followers, his disciples. And now he's telling them, listen, Rome didn't defeat me. Sin and death couldn't even defeat me. We're still on this mission. God is still restoring his people. And so now there's this hope coming back again of like, here it is. Is, is this going to happen now? And Jesus tells them, no, not yet. Wait. I want you to wait. That's how Luke ends. Wait until you receive the same power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus did everything through. That power is going to come on you. Wait. You can't do anything until then. And so God's people are just waiting. And they're probably feeling a little out of place like a goat in a coffee shop, right? And they're like, what, what do we do here? Rome's still in charge and our own Jewish people hate us. And 
we're out of place and we're fearing for our lives. And we know Jesus just defeated death itself. We know Jesus is God himself come to us and he is going to restore all things. But then he said, he's going somewhere else first. (laughs) What do we do? And he told us to wait. Can you imagine that just that anticipation building, maybe that anxiety, but also mixed with that hope. We saw him. This is real. He's alive again. So pick up with me in Acts chapter one. And we're gonna read just the first 12 verses this morning. Acts chapter one, Luke writes this. I wrote the first narrative, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up, after he had given instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After he had suffered, he also presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While he was with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise, which, Jesus said, you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or periods that the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up as they were watching and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, they were gazing into heaven and suddenly two men in white clothes stood by them. They said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come in the same way that you have seen him going into heaven. This is God's word. Father, we ask that as we look at your word this morning, as we read it, as we hear it, that your spirit would be present with us speaking to us. God, would you guard my mouth from saying anything that is not of you? Would you protect our hearts? And would you transform us by the power of your word, by the work of your son, Jesus, by the presence of your Holy Spirit, to the glory of the Father, we ask this. Amen. So Luke starts with, in the second part, this second chapter, so to speak, of the Luke-Acts work, He says, hey, remember in the first book, Theophilus, Theophilus, we don't know exactly who that is. It's likely somebody who was actually bankrolling the work of Luke writing all this down because getting the papyrus and the pen was super expensive back then. It's not like we can just like pull out paper from our our drawer right now and start drawing, no problem. Or we can just like get out a computer and start clacking away on the keys or on your iPad, just start swiping and all that. Like this wasn't readily available, right? It was very expensive and it was very difficult. And so if you were writing something down, it was really important. Luke was most likely a guy who was following around Paul, the apostle, and became a disciple, a follower of Paul as Paul was following Jesus. And so he learned about Jesus and he learned about some of the first followers of Jesus through Paul. And he's retelling the story now to this guy. Uh, and, he, and he's getting paid to write the story down so that the church everywhere can hear it. And he says, in the first book I wrote to you, 
And so what we're getting right now, I, I gave you kind of a summary of the end of Luke, and then what I just read probably sounded almost like the exact same thing. Because it's like when you're watching a series and you're like on episode three and it does a little recap. Last time on this episode, and it gives you a little recap, right? That's kind of what he's doing there. He's joining these two scrolls together. So you get a little bit of what happened at the end of Luke and a little bit at the beginning of Acts, but he gives you some more detail at the beginning there. So in the first book, I wrote to you about everything Jesus, what? Began to do, right? Everything Jesus began to do until he was buried, rose again, came and appeared to his disciples, and then ascended into heaven. So what is he writing about now in this second part? The first book I wrote to you about everything Jesus began to do, here's what Jesus continues to do, right? Now, some of your Bibles you might see on the the title there, Acts, this wasn't written by the original author. This came later. It might say, your title might say, the Acts of the Apostles, right? Because what the book seems to be about is it's a story of these people who are following Jesus. And specifically, as we'll get later into Acts, a big chunk of it on Paul himself and how they were following Jesus. But I think that's a bad title. Again, that wasn't the original title. That came later. Luke is writing about everything Jesus began to do in the gospel according to Luke. And now he's writing about everything Jesus continues to do through his apostles with the power of his spirit. It's almost as if Jesus came and did all these things in one body first, and now he's continuing to do work on his earth through another body. And that's what scripture calls us who follow Jesus, the body of Christ. That's the first thing we need to know from this is that this is not a work that Luke and Paul and Peter and all these people did. This was a work that Jesus did through them. And the work that we're invited to do now today is not a work that we can do in our own strength and in our own understanding. It's a work that Jesus does with his spirit moving through us. So in the first book, it was this. Let me tell you about everything Jesus continues to do. And I believe he is still continuing to do it today through his church. Do you guys believe that? Amen. And so he's he's telling them, a recap, this is what happened, but he gives a little more detail. And he says, Jesus told them to wait. Now at the end of Luke, we don't really know what they're waiting for. But here at the beginning of the Acts, we get some more detail. He appears back to them for 40 days, hanging out with them. He's eating with them. He's talking with them. Like they know he's really alive in the flesh. The same body that was put in the tomb is walking around. They could feel the holes in his hands. He's chomping on some fish with them. (laughs) Like this is a real person. And he's there for 40 days. Does that sound familiar? Have we seen that reoccurring theme throughout scripture? Right? Jesus, uh, at the beginning of his ministry, the spirit in the power of the spirit led him into the wilderness for 40 days, which was kind of a recall back to Israel being in the wilderness for 40 years, wasn't it? And Jesus was able to overcome the temptation that Israel faced in the wilderness for 40 years and they couldn't overcome. Jesus overcame it in the wilderness as he fasted and prayed and trusted in the Father. And he did it in the power of the Spirit. And now it's almost like we're getting a second chance for God's people to enter into that scene too. 
So for 40 days, they have the power and the presence of Jesus himself right there with them. But then he tells them, hey, I gotta go. I'm gonna go prepare a place for you, prepare a home for you. And we're told what it looks like at the end of the story, right? I mean, I'm jumping ahead here, but in Revelation that this home comes down, this new Jerusalem city comes down from heaven to earth where Jesus will live with us eternally, those of us who trust in him. So he's going, I'm preparing that for you. I'm bringing it back. In the meantime, keep waiting. Wait some more. Because the power of the spirit is gonna come upon you. And he says this weird thing about baptism here, right? That many people are trying to understand still today. But he says, John baptized people in water. You're gonna be baptized in the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? If you remember, we talked about this before, that that word baptism, it's not actually a translation of a word. They took this Greek word and they just started using English letters to spell it. Uh, So if it were to be translated, that baptizo word, instead of just written like baptism, it would just simply mean immersed or covered in. And he's saying John was immersing people in water as a symbol of how we needed to be cleansed from our sin, right? We needed to be ritually and spiritually clean. But you're gonna be immersed in the power of the spirit of God. The spirit of God is gonna come over you. And we're gonna see that next week in Acts 2. Actually, next week we'll be at the park. We'll see it in two weeks in Acts 2 of what that looked like. And it's amazing. And it, and it ties into the rest of the story through the Old Testament so well of how God has always been at work doing this. So we'll get into that more later, but this is what he's promising them. You will be so covered in the presence and power of God that everything you do, as you move and go about your life, you will have my presence with you. You will have my power with you. You will have the living breath of God, the spirit of God with you. Do everything in that power. Don't don't step away from that power. You will be tempted to walk away from that power. Do things in your own understanding, in your own strength, but my power and my presence will be with you. Isn't that a beautiful promise? So yeah, they're they're told to wait and there's probably some anxiousness and it's like, man, what is going on? When is this gonna happen? But that promise to hold on to that, oh man, Jesus is alive, you guys. Did you see him? We ate with him. This is real, this is happening. And his power is gonna come over us. And when it does, amazing things start taking place throughout the book of Acts. But it's not because of the disciples. It's because the presence of God's spirit is on them. So let me just pause right there for a second and think about like how many things do we try to do without the power and presence of God with us, right? Like just kind of think about that for a second, just even this week. If you think about all the things, if you were to take time and write out all the things you did this week and then just go and put a star next to the ones that you said, I needed the power of God to do this. How many of those would get starred? Do I need the power of God to uh, yell at my kids the way I did yesterday? Hmm. You know, did, did, I need, did I really rely on the power of God 
to solve that problem at work? Or did I just try doing that in my, with my education and my understanding, right? How many things are we doing in the power and presence of God because we absolutely need him to show up? If most of our life is actually, I think I got this, God. I can do this in my own understanding and power. Then it's probably worth asking the question, am I being obedient and doing the things God has asked me to do? Because the things that God asks us to do are scary and they're overwhelming and they're beyond us. They're beyond our capability. And that's exactly why he asks us to do it so that we can experience what it looks like to partner with him. And he shows up and he does amazing things and he gets the glory for it. So it goes on and it says that uh, when they came together, they're like, verse six, all right, Lord, is this the time? Are you restoring the kingdom to Israel now? That's a fair question. That's what they've been waiting for this whole time. Their whole lives, they were waiting for the Messiah to come. When they see this Jesus and they're finally convinced he's the Messiah and they give their lives to follow him, they're thinking, all right, we're gonna go overthrow Rome now. And they're waiting for that to happen. And then Jesus dies, right? Then he comes back and they're like, okay, now this is, this is happening. And then they hang out for 40 days. And then he goes away. So Jesus, when is this finally happening? And they might've at this point gotten over the idea of Jesus riding in like a warrior and like defeating the emperor of Rome through battle. Maybe they've finally gotten that out of their head because Jesus was teaching them over and over again. That's not how my kingdom's coming. But it's still a valid question to go, we know though that this kingdom on this earth needs to fall. We know that the kingdom of men, these empires and governments and structures that we build will not last. We know that there needs to be a new age coming where the true king of all creation comes and rules over everything because he's the only one who does it well. And he's the only one worthy to. We know that's gotta come. Jesus, when? And it almost sounds like he dodges the question, doesn't it? He says, hey, it's not for you to know about that, about the times or periods that the father has set. The other night, Bethany was like, hey, will you go to the store with me? And I was like, yeah, I'll go to the store. But I was like working on my computer, doing some stuff. And I was like, hold on just a minute, right? So she goes and she's doing some other things around the house waiting for me. And she's like, hey, you ready to go yet? And I'm like, uh, just give me a few more minutes. And this happened a few times where she finally was like, you keep saying that. I don't believe you. <laughs> and I was like, all right, fine. I got to put that away and go. But what if I had turned to her and I said, hey, listen, woman, it is not for you to know the times <laughs> of what I'm doing. It is not for you to know the times and periods. Like how arrogant would that be? <laughs> um, one, I'm not Jesus, so I can't say things like that. Two, that would not go well in my marriage, right? So it's almost like though, he's, it feels like he's dodging the question. It's not for you to know that, but let me talk about something else. But I don't think that's entirely what's happening here. I think he's actually answering the question. He's just answering what they really need to know in that question. The question is not when exactly is it going to happen? The question is, how is it going to happen and what are we going to do until then? How do we live like this is actually happening? The response it's not for you to know the times or the periods that the Father has set by his own authority. You know what's crazy about that? You know how many books have been written that are like in contradiction of that one verse right there? 
You know how many sermons are given to try to understand when the end times are coming? Jesus just said right there, this is not for you to know. Here's what's for you. Here's what's for you and I to know and to live in. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you will be what? Successful at your job. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be comfortable and happy in your life, right? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be a world changer. Is that what he says? What does he say? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be what? Yeah, my witnesses. Listen, this is the Christian life. This is what it means to follow God. This is what it means to be operating in the power and presence of the Holy Spirit of God himself is to just simply witness. Like Emma did at school. That was, if she were listening out what she did this week, she could put a star next to that one. I was a witness about Jesus. That was the power and presence of the Holy Spirit of God doing work through her. When we think about the power and presence of God in our lives, what do you think about? Like, do you picture like speaking in tongues and doing miraculous healings and raising people from the dead like Jesus did? Like, that's cool stuff. I'm sure it was incredible to see Jesus do that. But what he's saying is powerful. You know, when Jesus says to his disciples, hey, you will do even greater things than I've done. Do you think he's talking about raising people from the dead? Jesus came and he preached the good news of the kingdom of God. That's exactly what he said he came to do. And all he means by you will do greater things when I leave is the spirit of God is gonna come upon you and it's gonna fill more and more people and even more people will hear the good news of God's kingdom preached. That's what he's talking about. What do you need the power and presence of God's spirit in your life for? So that you can be a witness to the world around you of how good and incredible and amazing and forgiving and loving and holy this God is. You need the power and presence of the spirit to do that because otherwise you'll just be a witness to yourself, right? We all have that selfishness in us. Or you'll be a witness to like how broken the world is, right? Constantly just moping like, man, life's hard, you know? Like what are the things we witness to? But the power and presence of the spirit is even in the harshest times, even when, as we'll see, some of these people become martyrs, which is by the way, the word here used for witness. It just means they were witnessing to the point of death. That Stephen, as he's getting rocks thrown at him and they're killing him by stoning him to death, that in that moment, he still praises God and is a witness to the goodness of Jesus. We need the power and presence of God's spirit to do that and to be that. If we aren't operating in his power, then we will be consumed by the brokenness of this world. We will be consumed by our own wants and desires and our selfishness. But the power of God has come upon you, Missio Dei, so that you can engage in the Missio Dei, the mission of God, which is to be witnesses. That's it. You're a mirror held up 
to God, reflecting him to the world around you. This is the good God who created this world, who pursued it even after we rebelled against him and brought sin and death and brokenness, who has restored it, who has sent his son, Jesus, who is raising people from death to life and who is preparing a place for us that one day we, even though we wait now, we wait in the power of the spirit because one day we will feast with him. Amen? And that's why we feast together today even. That's why we're gonna share a meal together is we are witnessing to the fact that Jesus is coming back one day and the scripture describes it as a banquet. We're gonna sit down and feast with him in the kingdom of God. That's what we do. I know it sounds like a simple act. We're just going, we're eating, but it's a bunch of different people with different ideas and different experiences and backgrounds. And Jesus has unified us. And we go and we break bread together to be a witness of our God. And we get to invite people into that. Let's pray that the spirit of God would give us the power to do that even more and more this next week.